0: Florida State's going 12-0 next season and heading to the CFP. All that and more on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Dave, let's ride.
1: You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Drake, here. And in the stream yard, I got my boy, Dave, here. Dave, we would go straight, straight into the content, but I think you do have some special news to actually announce to the world. What happened last weekend?
1: Drake, I got engaged last weekend. It is a great time to be
0: alive. Good for me, right? I'm surprised that Steph said yes, but folks, that's enough of Dave's engagement, but obviously Dave, congratulations, congratulations to you and Steph, I can't wait to the wedding, and hopefully it's not during football season, that's a joke, kind of, but we're talking about the regular season for 2023, your Florida Seminoles are going to be 12-0 because this schedule, as it sets out right now, is easily attainable, the ACC is still somewhat weak, Dave, how do you want to go about this? Do you want to do these segments of four games, four games, four games, or do you just want to go pick around and see why FSU has the best chance to win each and every single game?
1: We did it the first way last time where we broke it down into thirds. Let's just, let's just talk through the schedule. Let's talk through the highs. Let's talk through the, the, the doldrums, the lows in the schedule. Let's just walk through it that way. And I think one of the most poignant things to talk about, and it's the same way we talk about the schedule breakdown every time, because I think the biggest game on our schedule is probably LSU, right? I believe so. It's a, it's a, it's a tone setter for the rest of the year. It's a tone setter. I think everybody perceives LSU and FSU in very similar lenses next year, which is you know kind of darlings to ups- you know cause some disruption to the playoffs, the same teams that have been there for the last several years. I think LSU and FSU both got better Really, really quickly after having
0: down years or a couple or a few years if you're Florida State, but you are kind of similar too. Like you have you have, you know, yeah. two rosters, you know, going from over turnover that have some somewhat mediocre seasons, and you right. have a transfer QB coming in. Jordan transfer. people forget he was a transfer from the from the University of Louisville. And then you see with transfer overall, like they're very, very least neck and neck with that. So
1: right. And and this transfer class that LSU brought in last cycle, very good. Just like the one FSU brought in, we brought in competing, excellent transfer classes. So these classes are being built. These rosters are being built, built very similarly. I don't for the life of me understand why at the end of the season, last season, people just perceived LSU as being so much better than Florida State. It felt like a lot of people thought that. But if and you heard this like comment that, oh, well, if Florida State and LSU played again at the end of the year, you know, who'd win that game. Yeah, I think Florida State would win that game again. So we
0: saw earlier in the year.
1: Right. We did that. And also, we also got better as the year went on. So I just didn't understand that at all. But you saw Florida State open, according to Vegas, as a favorite over LSU going into that game for next year. That is something that we didn't have going into our discussion of this last month. So Florida State opens as a favorite. I think rightfully so. Um, LSU, look, they're... (laughs) They had a great offense last year. Um, Their defense was top 25 and they were a very efficient team. That's that's impressive coming off of what they were the year before. And Florida state did much of the same. Like we said, similar profiles. It comes, it's that game's just going to come down to this for me. I think you're going to have more Florida state fans there because of where that game is played geographically. I think it's more of a home home advantage for Florida state when you have two very evenly matched teams going I look for two things. One, where are you going to have more of a home field advantage? For me, that's Florida State, obviously. Games in Florida. Two, who has a better quarterback? Drake, I'm going to take Jordan Travis over Jaden Daniels every day of the week, twice on Sundays. Otherwise, very similar teams. Give me the Noles in on that one.
0: And not only that, I don't think and Daniels actually is, is confirmed to be the starter. Yes, he actually did, took an immense step actually for next season for this past season, but if you watch the last few games when he was injured, Garrett Nussmeyer actually showcases his talent and ability that he actually might be a better option actually on, in Brian Kelly's offense. And Brian Kelly, he's actually a very, very good developer of quarterbacks. I mean, we had Ian Book into a basically not NFL player, but he was drafted and now he's, a, he's actually in the NFL as a backup. So if you look at it, I do. I I personally would take JT overall over over those two. But when LSU actually is still trying to decide who their quarterback is, that does help you out because JT isn't going to be sharing or splitting reps with the ones with a Tate Rodemaker, with an AJ Duffy, with the Brock Glenn. So you see, like overall. I think it's going to come down more to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to have to see if Patrick Sertain is going to be able to help develop these uh, these defensive backs. Who is going to be the safety starting opposite of Akeem Den? I think it might be someone about before, maybe Travis Jay, maybe Duke Cooper makes a move from cornerback to the safety spot. Maybe Shaheen Brown blossoms into a, a pure bona fide stud that we know he has the ability to do. So to me, this is a game here that will set the tone for the rest season just as it did the season before.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. Um, that's going to set the tone for the entire rest of the season. Florida State goes out and wins that one, and I, you walk through the rest of that schedule. I mean, you have Southern Miss the week after that. You have Boston College the week after that. I, I think whether you win or lose that LSU game, um, and regardless of how you win or lose that game, I think it, you you beat those next two teams on the schedule. Southern Miss, um, unless Frank Gore's kid just you know has the game of the millennium which he kind of did in the bowl game last year, in his bowl game last year. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good running back. That, he's a good that, running that, back. He's just, yep, yep, the name, be, the name rings true. He should be able to, with the defense I expect us to have, just kind of focus on Frank Gore Jr., and that's the end of that game. Uh, Boston College, they have a lot of work to do to be the kind of team that should give Florida State problems, especially the Florida State team we're expecting to see next year. So, yeah, that LSU game, I think where you'll see more of if we were to win that game and especially win it convincingly you carry that confidence forward a couple of weeks and you go into that Clemson game three and O with all of the confidence in the world. I think that kind of changes maybe the complexion of how the team feels going into that game. Like whether you feel like you're an underdog, like more of the same of the last several years versus we should beat this team today. We should beat Clemson. So I think that's where that LSU game might have an impact.
0: I mean, it is going to be a temple. It's going to be the litmus Barometer Test, which is the Knowles Anonymous copyright trademark, copyright trademark spot of the show. And, folks, before we get actually into the Clemson game, I'm talking to our friends over at Built Bar, our talent sponsor. Folks, the holidays are over. Valentine's Day just passed. But as you know, both know, myself and Dave now are preparing for our weddings. And that means that Dave and myself are going to hold each other accountable by losing weight, getting healthier, getting more fit, getting toyed, like a taiga. And that means we're going over to our friends over at Built Bar with the delicious peanut butter brownie, the Terry barcia cookie dough, and also coconut almond. But, folks, you don't only have to go to Built.com to get these delicious, nutritious treats. You can head over to Walmart and Sam's Club and go, by going over to your pharmacy section and grabbing yourself a box of the Built Bars or Dave's favorite, the Built Bar Puffs because they taste like delicious, sweet, and sugary peeps. So head on over to Sam's Club, head on over to Walmart, and get your box today, because, folks, it's 2023, and let's get healthy together with our friends at Built Bar. All right, Dave, we're back. We're rock and roll here on Locked On Assembly folks. We want to thank each and every single one of you for making us your first each and every single day. With that being said, Dave, Next part of the schedule, what game do you want to look at? Do you want to do the Clemson game right here? Do you want to talk about the rivalry games that actually do have implications on the recruiting trail overall? Where do you want to go next here?
1: Well, look, we, we, we're we talking like highs and lows on the schedule. Let's Let's just knock a few more games off the list. Virginia Tech was really, really bad last year. That's a team that coming off a bye week, you should not have the slightest problems with. So if you're talking about a Florida State team, that is competing at the level of like 2013, which I'm not saying that this team should necessarily be that good. Cause I think that was one of the best teams in college football. History. We'll be we'll Right. Be that good. We'll but be. look, when Florida state has been good, historically, all those great teams under Bobby Bowden, we took care of the team. We dispatched with the teams that had no business being on the field with us. Like you want, you didn't just win the games you were supposed to win. You didn't let them feel like they had any chance from the very moment of kickoff, even before kickoff, Virginia Tech is that exact kind of game. You should beat the brakes off of that team and never give them any reason to think they belong on the same field as you. Um, th- Syracuse, I mean, look, that that's that's not going to be
0: a very good team, I don't think next year. Like their it- offensive coordinator is gone, the one that made Gary look like a god. Now he's over right. NC State, who we don't play this year. Thank God, because I feel like that coordinator is actually going to be doing damn, uh, damn good things over at NC State. But just
1: like. What a Jekyll and Hyde Syracuse was last year, man. Like they started the year as like a darling of like, is this team going to win
0: the ACC? Injuries, man. Injuries. They got hurt. They got banged up pretty bad. And that's why this year with the floor states why we harp on death so much. Yeah.
1: But that's, that's kind of the thing is like. We have the starting talent to just completely overwhelm Syracuse, but we have the depth that they couldn't dream of having right now. Like we're finally building this quality depth that like even if we did sustain injuries to the starting lineup, I think that's the, we have the kind of depth where we should be able to go out with, you know, some plug and play pieces from our 2 d and still beat a Syracuse without like having to, you know, kick a field goal at the very end of the game to win it. So that's a nice couple games to come off a of bye week that, you know, like a lot of people seem to think Duke is going to be good. Uh, maybe. Maybe Drake, but if you're if you're the kind of Florida State team we're talking about us being, should you have problems with that Duke team? Should you?
0: Um, the mo- the only reason why I think it's a maybe is because it's gonna be the game before Wake. And for some reason I know Wake is not gonna be the same thing- team this next year. They've been giving us fix in recent memory. And also it's more that Duke is a very well coached team. So they're not the Duke of all the past season where they're just gonna lay down and die there. There's gonna be a team that actually, you know, comes and shows up and like it's more that I think this will be a game where as long as the boys come in focused and ready to go and doesn't look over Duke, I think we'll win comfortably, but there definitely is gonna be at a halftime where like Dave's gonna be texting me, like, we're only beating Duke by seven or ten points. What the hell is going on? I'm over this, I'm over this, I'm over this. That's how we text during games, folks, by the way. It's like that every single day weekend.
1: That that is true. Um tends to be a lot of hyperbole and knee-jerk reactions in real time during games, but If, if this is the Florida state team we're talking about as being about a playoff contender, not just a dark horse, but a contender Um, right now, a lot of the odd services have us like as one of the seven to eight most likely teams to win the college football playoff. If you're one of the most seven to eight, most likely teams to win the college football playoff, you're coming off cupcake games against Virginia tech and Syracuse. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta beat Duke at home and you gotta be able to do that without, you know, scraping to the very end. Um, but in addition to that, I think we get a little lucky with this Wake Forest team we're playing. This is going to be the worst Wake team in several years. Like truly, this could be this could be one of the worst teams in the Atlantic. This Wake team, and that's a breath of fresh air because that's been a problem for us. Like you said for a long time, shouldn't be a problem for us this year. Sam Hartman's gone. Uh, that that's just they're going to have to do an off. This isn't like a retool. This is a full on rebuild. The way I see it at Wake, um, they're going to have to rely on their defense and Drake. That was one of the worst defenses in the country last
0: year. So, uh,
1: you know, don't I, remind
0: I, me of that because they played like they were one of the best defenses against us last year. Well, we didn't have Robert Scott and the right. offense, like, and with the offensive line, they all have their own language. They speak with each other. When you take one piece out of there, it ruins the entire kind of dialect and translation between each other. So I can I can see that. And Rondell Bothroyd, the kid that actually was kind of basically baptized in JT in the backfield, he's now in Oklahoma. So
1: that's right. So that's just that should be one of those games where even though it's Wake and we know what Wake. Wake has been a thorn in our side for a long, long time, including when they shouldn't be like in years where wake shouldn't be good. They still have caused us problems. This should be the best Florida state team in almost a decade. This should be the worst wake team in almost a decade. This, this, this finally feels like one of those Wake games where we can breathe a sigh of relief and take care of business. And then we go to pit the very next week uh, and that week game, or excuse me, we go to pit that next week. And this again This isn't that pit team that like this last year, people thought was going to be really, really good. And that the year before was really, really good. This is going to be, again, one of the worst pit teams we've seen in a few years. And it just feels like a couple, a few of these things are aligning for this Florida state team. Like pit happens to be bad. Finally, wake happens to be bad. Finally. Um, Like, like the big, the big, whoa, are they finally going to get better team? Are they finally good team is Duke. Like if that's the biggest worry, the biggest question mark of that kind of group of the ACC teams that, that bodes really well for Florida state's chances to win all the games that it really should win.
0: I don't know. If finally bad is the right term. I think it's more that you, you expect the drop off forward from those teams, right? I mean, even though Pitt the defense overall was been very good for the past few seasons, but they do lose players like Elijah cansey to the NFL. And now you have a brand new quarterback coming in and Phil Dracovic, who, if he stays fully healthy, could be a dynamite player for them. But, but their head coach, Pat Narduzzi, was on record in, at last ACC media days saying, oh, we need to throw the ball. Let's run the ball more. Yes, you have Israel Abenakanda, great running back. Quite frankly, if he was on any other team, he probably would be a top th- top three-round pick actually in the NFL. But you had Kenny Pickett, who was throwing the ball to Jordan Addison in 2021, and you want to go away from that? Makes no sense to me. But then you have a Wake Forest team who a lot of players actually are very stoked and high on Mitch Griffiths. Like I said, the expectations for these teams are a lot lower heading into the season. So I don't know if finally bad is the right warfare, but they have a lot of players that are leaving due to graduation, due to eligibility, actually being having to go to the NFL, not having going to make decisions, actually going to the NFL, transferring out. These play the 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 rosters are massively different. And I think that's where now FSU has a time to capitalize because their roster is the opposite. They're bringing players back. The game players from transportal. The team is getting stronger, and a, a one more year of development for the underclassmen, like the freshmen and sophomores. So this team is built for this. This team, the returning production, is number one in the country, and that, with this schedule, how it shapes out, should lead to a team that, quite frankly, ten wins or if ten wins, I think should be the bare minimum. But then we'll discuss that at the end.
1: Yeah, that that's right. Look, this is a money year for money, Mike. You get all these players to come back with one unified goal in mind of let's try to win a championship this year. Let's bring all these guys back that probably should have gone to the NFL, like just gotten their paychecks and and called it a day. Uh, And that didn't happen. All, a lot, a lot of talent made a decision together collectively to come back. And that is rare in college football to see that much talent do that. And it just so happened that the schedule shaped up such that the games you should win are more winnable than they have been in recent years. It just shapes up perfect for us going into next year. So all those games we've talked about so far, except the LSU game, like all the other games, those should all be wins. And they should all be wins that we're not like our blood pressure is not through the roof at the end of the game.
0: Yeah. Well, now it's like shaping up to be a great show. And we'll show it to be a last great segment. Dave We'll, actually, we'll have you we'll want to hand the ball over to you. But for folks, please wait a moment. And here's a word from our sponsors. All right, Dave. It is the last segment. I'm going to hand the ball off to you. What yep. do you want to talk about before we send the folks home on today, for, for the rest of their day?
1: Okay, Drake. Well, I think I think everybody here knows what we're going to talk about for this last segment. I'm, we're not going to talk about North Alabama, obviously. We're beating them,
0: but are you sure, are sure have, about that? I yes. don't know. I mean, I mean, yes. the Lions. Great They have a great color. Didn't know they right. were the
1: Lions. Wow, that's learned something today. Hey, Look scouting, at that, think, Drake, scouting, everybody. Scouting, scouting, it's incredible. Scouting. Um, we have three games left: Clemson, Miami, and Florida if you've been paying attention to college football or if you're a Florida state fan, you've been paying attention to what's going on in the Florida Gators program. I can't explain it. Um, No one wants anything to do with that program right now, whether it be players, coaches or anything else. And that game is feeling like more of a sure win every day. Like I know that game was tough last year. The only thing that made that tough was the fact that Billy Napier was accidentally gifted a quarterback with a lot of raw tools at his disposal, who in situations was able to pull those tools out and put points on the board. Uh, Anthony Richardson has no business being a first round pick in the NFL, but my God Uh, at moments against us. Did he play like it? Sorry, I get worked up over this. Um, Florida's quarterback this year is Graham Mertz. Holy crap. I, just coaches are leaving, players are confused, coach, recruits are confused, fans are confused. um I'm confused. You're confused, Stacy and you are confused. Everyone's confused. Drake. That's an easy win. I'm just gonna say that now. I'm not backing off of that until unless and until they prove otherwise. That's an easy win, right?
0: I mean, it is. I will say though, I do think Anthony Richardson has the first round tool. I think it's more that he needs to go to the proper team because, like, I think Bill Napier as an offensive game planner is very damn good. He, uh, he showcased that actually in the FSU game, but. Yeah, like you said, he was—he got injured. He was throwing the ball actually in the second half. Like he was ineffective because actually, we were able to finally stop him. But yeah, I do think it's a, it's going to be an easier win for for the most part. I do think that they'll struggle actually for bowl eligibility again for this next upcoming season because it's they have great running backs in Montreal Jordan and also with uh, Trevor Etienne, Trevor Etienne's brother. The problem is, I don't like you said. I'm not a big believer, or have that much faith in Graham Mertz. I really just don't see, I know a lot of people are hyping yourselves up. We did the same thing with Alex Hornibrook a few right. seasons ago, another Wisconsin and quarterback. And maybe, maybe Bill and Napier has the offense to help him out a lot with that, but we'll see. I just don't have that much faith in that. I need more. Prove me to show me that, because quite frankly, right now, from the tape that we have, Graham Mertz was really good his freshman year, but hasn't improved since. And to me, that's, a, that's just sheer sign of a quarterback that, in an SEC, it's the SEC. He, I we, I don't think he's built for it. I just don't.
1: I um, could, could not possibly be more with you, Drake. You know how you make your defenses life harder. You have a bad quarterback playing who's putting them behind the chains. You're going to see a lot of that for Florida next year, and that's going to be glorious for
0: us to watch. Yeah, I grew up I grew up in South Florida, bro. I know I, yeah. I with the Dolphins down here. I know I know bad quarterbacks. Yeah, so that's not going to be good for
1: them. Speaking of bad quarterbacks, Drake University of Miami doesn't have any good quarterbacks on their roster. Tyler Van Dyke was terrible last year. Mario Cristobal is the worst coach in the ACC. It's not close. It's really not. Um, he made tra- Tyler Van Dyke go from one of the best quarterbacks in the conference to the worst quarterback, I think, in the conference, in- like, including all the actual bad quarterbacks. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is as bad as he played last year.
0: No, I think, I, think he's Chris- a good, I think he's a good quarterback. The problem is you have an archaic offense being ran by Mario Cristobal, and then you have Josh Gaddis, who I – don't know what he was doing now you have the new offensive coordinator from Houston who comes in he's the air raid disciple and maybe something like that will help him out but besides Xavier Restrepo who I'm a huge fan of who else is he throwing the ball to he's and not I think that's the problem and that's yep. going to be a big
1: big problem and here's the thing you know I don't care who they bring in Drake we were told that was the best coaching staff in college football last year and they were throwing all these millions of dollars at all these guys Josh Gaddis was very highly viewed before last yeah. year
0: yeah I thought he was a
1: great offensive coordinator right <laughs> Look what Mario Cristobal managed to do with him and his career and his offense anyways. You put Mario Cristobal on a coaching staff, that's what's going to happen to everybody else around him. So I don't care who they bring in on the coaching staff. I don't care who they trot out at quarterback. None of it's going to matter. That team's going to suck. And I don't know who's more on a hot seat, Napier or Cristobal, but you could flip a coin at this point because it's it really is going to be both of them by the end of the year. Drake, that's an easy win. Call an easy win for me. Florida and Miami have now become an easy win in my book. I've convinced myself of it.
0: Miami one, I think, is gonna be more difficult than Florida. Um, I me personally, I think you're gonna see actually because we're playing them at the end of the year, they're going like it depends on how early they go with the youth movement, right? We we talked about youth movement ad nauseum in 2021 and also like kind of towards the end of 2020. Cause their freshman class that they did bring in is a lot of elite studs. But like we said, who is Tyler Fantas going to throw the ball to? Is the new coordinator actually going to be able to call the plays that he wants to call? Is the new defensive coordinator that they brought, I think, from Marshall, Lance Gidry, is actually sorry, I think it's Tulane. I think it's I forget which school he's from. But like, if he's actually able to actually be able to is going to have the Adam Fuller effect, where is the bend and kind of break defense, or actually is it going to be a solid defense with tools at his disposal? Because they have great players like Atlanta Taylor along the defensive line. But to me, with this Miami team, it's I need you to show me that you actually are going to be performed pretty well because you have all the, you have a town all the town in the world. That's why it's so shocking every year that you can't stop up to the plate and actually finish it off. Yeah, That's Drake, my personal opinion
1: for that. Drake, half the players they brought in, in this recruiting class that are supposed to be so good, aren't going to be there by the time we play them anyways, they're all going to be transferring out mid season. Um, it's not going to matter. That's an easy win. I've convinced myself of it. Drake last game on the schedule. We'll do this quickly. Clemson. Here's the great thing about this Clemson game. It could not have been timed better on Florida State's schedule. You have a bye week the week after, right? So you know you're going to get a break, which means you can give it 110% going into that game. You're coming off two sucker games in Southern Miss and Boston College. Those should be tune-up games, truly. And you're getting them trying to institute Cade Klubnick as the new like official starter of Clemson. We don't know what that's going to look like. He was hot and cold in his very limited action last year after they ran off DJU. We don't know what we're going to get out of Cade. Clemson doesn't know what they're going to get out of him. They haven't had excellent receiving play in a while, and they're not going to again next year. There's a lot of question marks on that Clemson team. Their defense mm-hmm. will be good as usual, but they're losing pieces, important pieces off that defense too. Brian
0: Brzee's gone, man. That dude's awesome.
1: Drake, you know how I feel about Brian Brzee. I don't think he was anything special, but he was one of their best defensive linemen. <laughs> um, I just can't believe he was a five-star. But anyways, Drake, Drake, that, that that game is played at the most winnable time, I believe, that we could have gotten the Clemson Tigers on our schedule. It may be a coin flip of a game. Maybe. It's played in Clemson. That makes it tougher for sure. But this has to be the most winnable Clemson game we will have played in a while on the most opportune spot on our schedule with the best Florida State team in a long time. i I, I got to think, like, 50.1% chance. I'm giving us the edge slightly in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Sorry, I was looking something up real quick. My mom just texted me. Shout out to Marie Calderon. Love you, mom. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I believe with that because I personally, in my opinion, I think with DJU struggles, I think that was more of a Dabo Sweeney play calling issue and also Brendan Streeter. I think DJU is going to stunt out and show it over at Oregon State. <laughs> I think the Beavers, they're going to be beaving and actually we going to try to watch those games with some uh, Pac-12 after dark uh, implications. And k Klubnick, like, he didn't perform well last year, but mm-hmm. granted, like you put an 18 year old in, a, like a true freshman in a in any Power Five game, he should look like a freshman. So I'm, the, I think the jury is still out him, but I don't think he's a surefire of a thing as we've seen in the past with maybe like a Deshaun Watson, a Trevor Lawrence, or a Taj Boyd. And then defensively, they do lose players like a Brian Marzi, they lose a KJ Henry too, as well, uh, Davis Allen too. It's it's with this Clemson team, I don't think that they're this indomitable monster anymore. I think the dynasty is over with them. I think the dynasty started showing the cracks in the facade yeah, right. when they lost against Ohio state by like 30, right, by 20 points because now you bring in a, a coordinator with uh, what's his name? Garrett Riley, the Lincoln yeah. rise, like younger brother, the former TCU offensive coordinator, who was a really good offensive coordinator. The only problem is I want to see if Dabo, if he actually is able to let him call his own place too, right. because it's the same issue over here that I have in Miami. When it, comes to, when it comes to the uh, head coaches not seeding play calling duties and actually letting them do their letting the coordinators do their job. So for me, you're getting more and more removed from players like, you know, of, that we've seen, perhaps like Brian Brissy, KJ Henry, stuff like that. And then also, this is the first year that Dabo is actually taking in transfers. They haven't used the transfer portal mm-hmm. at all. They're basically our own transfer portal is right here. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you to be here. So, like, I mean, you kind of need the, the way college football to move forward, you need to utilize everything at your disposal. And Dabo, has been ignorant as hell on a lot of things, but especially when it comes to basically all of this. So to me, this is a Clemson team that I'm not scared of. And I think, honestly, LSU used a tougher test than Clemson at this point.
1: It, it felt an awful lot like at some point, Dabo Sweeney's ignorance and stubbornness would catch up to him. And you. it just feels like it's more than just a win or a loss for Florida State this year. Like, in other words, there, this is a win-win situation for us because if you lose this game to Clemson, It's like, well, yeah, Clemson's beat you for a while now. They've been the best team in the ACC for a while now, like no crap. Um, It'll be disappointing. Of course, that's not what I'm saying, but it's, it's rationalizable in that way. If you win this game, though, it's not just that you win. It feels an awful lot like you are really imprinting that downward trajectory that it feels, that nationally people feel like is going on in that Clemson program. Just It just feels like you have a chance to put your foot on their throat a little bit in a way that they haven't experienced in a good while. And, man, Drake, what a good feeling that would be as we leave, as as we look to exit the ACC, just like we talked about last week, with Clemson maybe, just as their daddy, just like it's been in, you know, just like it was years ago when things were right in the world and in the ACC.
0: 2023 is the year Clemson comes back because – Not only KJ Henry and Brian Bersier are gone, so is Miles Murphy. So is Trenton Simpson, Jordan McFadden, Davis Allen. They lose a lot. And also, who's replacing the secondary there? The secondary was very middle of the road at best. And wide receivers? Yes, you got Jake Stool, But who else is there? But we know who's also there for you, though? Us. Each and every single day, you have myself and Dave. And Dave, as always, as you can eloquently put it, please send us in the folks' home.
1: Absolutely. Everybody, thank you for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you. So thank you. From both of us. For our podcast, find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, other places too that I don't know the name of, or the YouTube. Give the video a like if you would. If you could, please. It takes two seconds and we greatly appreciate it. Also, if you could, subscribe to the channel, ding the little bell, turn your notifications on, find out when our episodes drop, that's all the good things in the world right there. And comment. We're going to go 12-0 and 0 next year, right? Like Miami and Florida. Are those easy wins for you? Why or why not? Let me know.
0: And for Dave, this was Drake. And we'll see you all next time on Lockdown On Saturday. Take care, everybody. And I'll promise to make sure that Dave takes some coffee here next time we have a show. Go Dolphs.